When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fish Stripes Unfiltered, episode 15. We're 15 episodes into this podcast. We are joined today with Isaac Zood, as always, and Eli Sussman, our boss. Isaac, how are you, man? And uh, we, we have a good podcast today, very interesting one. Yeah, doing great. We're recording this on March 23rd. Spring training games have commenced. We're here waiting for game number five. Sandy Alcantara should be pitching today. It's great to be talking about Major League Baseball games again. Eli, how are you? We're excited to have you back on. You are yeah. for sure the guest we will have on the most because it's awesome always to have you, man. Yeah, by my unofficial count, this is either three or four episodes. That I think I've it's three. From. It must yeah, be something three. like that. It's, um, yeah, recording this, as you said, on Wednesday. It's my last day before flying down to see you guys uh, in, in Florida. So predictably, I left all my packing to the last minute. And I think today I have three separate recording things going on, but more than happy to make time for you guys. I love making bold predictions as, as long as people forget about them later, if I'm wrong, you know, remember them when I'm right, forget yeah. about them when I'm wrong. That's the hope. And so I got some good stuff and I'm sure you guys got some great takes coming along too. As always like, and subscribe to YouTube follows wherever you're listening to the podcast. And yes, next time you see Eli, maybe on a nice Instagram picture on Isaac's Instagram with a group Marlins Twitter picture or something like that. But let's just get right into it. Eli explain a little bit how the rules of this works and then, well, I guess we'll just go around the table and, and go into these uh, crazy predictions that we right. may have. I think just about every year we have some sort of bold predictions content on here. This, this is the perfect point to do it in the middle of spring training, but yet far enough ahead of the regular season where things aren't totally crazy yet. Uh, so a mix of, I guess, what we've seen so far in camp, but more so the knowledge that we have about these players entering the year. Um, the ideal bold prediction is you know something that is based in observations and in the stats and you know something that you do like see as a real possibility but nothing that is obvious right it, you want to be something you can't be afraid to get it wrong and honestly if you're putting out if all your bold predictions are right that probably means that you're doing it wrong you want to leave yourself it's you need to use your imagination a little bit to make it fun and uh that's that's what i do i probably lean a little too hard into that going with stuff that are relatively unlikely to happen everybody does it a, a little bit differently but we want this to be fun and we wanted it to you know set standards that are kind of you know outside of realistic expectations and that will uh it, it shows you exactly the crazy directions that the season could go because there's always a lot of surprises that happen during the year so we try to pick out a few of those in advance uh, just based on following the team as closely as we do all right so I think the way to start this, we'll just start with Isaac and we'll just go to Elon and then I'll go last. So Isaac, bold prediction number one. Now, keep in mind when it's bold, it's bold. So you could either go, you know, the realistic route or you could go bold, you know, and just make one out like no one's going to expect this to happen. But if it does, hey, you predicted a bold prediction. You're muted. Sorry, sorry about that. Before I go into the first one, I think I'm going to really quickly mention an honorable mention, which would have been that Lewin Diaz hits 30 home runs. I think just the way the roster is constructed at present, I don't think it's going to be you know very feasible for him. But that would have been for sure bold prediction number one. But so to start it off, I think mine is going to be the one I reset on stream. Just you know, just to make sure I'm going to be really adamant about that one because I, he looked good in spring in his spring debut, and it's going to be that Jesus Luzardo is going to be possibly the second best pitcher on the team, and he will for sure be second on the team in innings pitched. He might be even second in strikeouts if all goes well. I think he's going to be in the rotation all year long, and I, I'm i being cautiously optimistic with the young left-hander for sure. All right, Eli, up next, or 
How should well, we do this? Yeah, we, uh, just going go a little more into that. It's yeah. I, I think everybody is on the same page that he's going to be better than he was last year. For people that weren't following along closely, three perfect innings in his first uh, spring appearance. His velocity was really as high as we've ever seen it. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um, that wasn't really his issue to begin with, though. You know, his issue was his command. His issue was uh, a lot of things. His questions about his sequencing, just um, a whole lot of things that went wrong in order for you to put up, what, six ERA over a big sample. And also, you know, early in his career, he did have some injury issues. Like, I, I, don't, I just don't see him as, like, a super safe bet to be durable compared to some of the other guys that we already have injury questions about. In terms of actually having, you know, a rotation spot locked down, though, that seems to be um, pretty clear that he'll get every opportunity to start. And from that standpoint, I see what Isaac is saying, is saying about it for sure. I, I will go I, – I agree with Isaac's prediction 100% because – Pablo's is a very injury-prone player. You never know if Rodgers is going to go down at some point. So, Rosario's going to rack up innings. And Eliezer is another injury-prone guy. So, I could definitely see Luzardo rack up innings and end up being second in Marlins innings pitched. So, let's just move on right to the next one. Eli, you're up next. Well, I had to snipe a Jazz Chisholm Jr. one because I had a feeling potentially you guys might have some of those. Uh, I think he's going to lead the majors in stolen bases. Or at least I, I see that as a real possibility. He was he was not that far behind that pace if you look at his rookie season, but of course had a few nagging injuries, didn't get on base very much in the first place. But you know, if you factor in him improving as an offensive player overall, getting on base more, what he's shown in spring training is a willingness to drop down bunts and run those out. So those are more opportunities where he'll get on base, but also be on first base. So those are just extra stolen base opportunities that he's gonna have. You look around baseball. Who led the majors in, in steals last year? You guys probably know this. I think Marte was up there. That's right. That was him. That was him. But he, he's dealing with an injury himself early in spring. He's 33 years old. Um, him, Whit Merrifield, those are the guys that were on top of the majors last year at 40-plus. But those guys are getting older. And across baseball, it's just not as much of an emphasis to steal bases. Jazz, for whatever reason, is really hooked on this. You know, every time he gets a chance, he'll tell you that he's a 30-30, 40-40 player in an era where people only usually care about the home runs. They don't, he's a rare exception that actually seems determined to do this, and he's on a team where he's. I think he's going to have the green light to do it. So that's why I'm going with him. That's that's a very good prediction, actually, when you, when you think of it. Um my time to shine my first one <sighs> there are many i could show but i'll go with i guess a safer prediction here sandy will finish with a 500 record and he'll earn cy young votes so the, he's and many people have made him a cy young dark horse contender i'm with that i think he could finish top five this season one in the nl but scherzer's in there you have the grom who else is there? i mean it strasburg if he comes back Corbin Burns. Sandy Corbin Burns, who was a reigning champ at the moment, if, if I'm correct. I think Sandy could be that guy. I mean, you have a better offense this year. You're going to get runs. You're going to get that run support. It's just it's time to make it happen. And I think Sandy will finish with the 500 record as well and get the get those Cy Young votes that he deserves. So I guess now we go right back to Isaac, or if anyone wants to get into that one. That's a trendy pick. There's a lot of people even outside of Marlins coverage that feel that yeah. have noticed what we've noticed and that he gets better every single year. He, get, he always finds something to work on, whether it's something really little or something as simple as just getting stronger and throwing harder than basically anybody else this side of Jacob deGrom. So, I, yeah, that's on the, on the low end of bold. Uh, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't be particularly oh, surprised at all <laughs> if that happens. Um, yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's a safe bold prediction, I would say. Yeah, I, we got to start safe, and then I have some crazy ones towards the end that will, will never happen. But yeah, Isaac, you're up. Uh, you know, staying on the well, how about Degrom yesterday? Huh? Looks like he never left. But um, yeah, we'll stay on the on the subject of pitching. I'm a big proponent that you know Bender should not open the year as closer, but I will say that he he finishes with 30 saves for the Marlins this year. I think Is the Marlins have a lot more mentioned last year. Did you, okay, yeah. Well, he's. Uh, I think the Marlins gonna have a lot more save opportunities this year. I think Flora will open up at closer. You know, at the time, at the moment. But yeah, I think Bender 
has a strong opportunity to not only just be in that closers role by you know mid-season, maybe even before in May or June, and he can get a lot of safe opportunities, and he'll I think he'll succeed. I'm not gonna lie, we we had the same prediction. I had that one written down as well, differently oh. written, but it, it was very similar. It's okay. I don't really care, but yeah, uh, that's that's I why we come up with with that's why we come up with bonus or backup predictions. So. Exactly. Yeah, I have like ten of them written down, but. Bender, Bender's going to be really good this year, man. And he, he impressed in that last spring training game he pitched. If he keeps it up, I think he could get that closer role. Personally, I want a more experienced closer at the moment, like a Dylan Flora, who, although that was last year's first year doing it, he was pretty reliable when he, when he, when he did close. And, you know, I've been always looking at trade targets. There's not much in the free agent market. Sergio Romo just got signed to the Mariners. So that's another option that we could have had, you know, gone. There's Richard Rodriguez. I don't really like that one. He used a lot of the sticky stuff, and that's affected him. And there's Tony Watson. I don't really know what to think about him as a closer. Really, when you look at the reliever market, there's not much. So Bender, it's to me, it's either Bendo Flo- Bender, Floro, or Trevino from the Oakland A's, who's just a good option. The team's selling, so well, it makes a lot of sense to make that move. I will say on Bender, um, for people that haven't followed super closely, he's – He's got this changeup that he feels more confident in than he had last year. And so, what? frankly, when he goes wrong, when things go bad for him, it really doesn't matter lefty, righty, or his exact pitch type. I just feel it was a little inconsistent as this year went on. I don't know if this totally changes things, but definitely kind of raises the floor on him if he has three pitches that he trusts. I mean, that's going to prevent – that's going to make sure that he definitely sticks in the majors and probably sticks in, like, high-leverage opportunities. Um, I I wish you were right – I yeah I wouldn't go quite in that direction, but I I see where you're coming from in that. So this one is you did mention transactions a little bit, and mine is related to that one. I have um my guy Brian Anderson getting traded before the end of the season, and so the timing of this pod is pretty good because I think there is an outside chance of a deal happening before opening day. I mean I see this more as a trade deadline situation with uh ba his his contract situation obviously he has not been extended um after the 2023 season he'll be eligible for free agency uh, they were, were able to negotiate a salary for him this year at like four and a half million dollars but entering this year i mean he's in a really weird role like it's not totally clear exactly how he fits on this current roster he's going to be like the primary third baseman but he's also getting reps in left field this spring despite no experience yeah. there and there's the question with his uh, shoulder coming back from shoulder surgery, how that may impact him, especially at the plate. So if he's only going to have one more year of club control beyond this year, um, and if he, if, if they went out and got guys like Joey Wendell and got out these corner outfield bats like Soler and Avasail, there's only so many spots you know to plan your lineup around. It, it seems to me that's my reading of the situation that regardless of how the season goes, you know, especially if it goes badly and if they're in last place at the deadline then i think it's a more clear-cut situation where they give him to a contending team but i also see like some more unconventional situations where if it just turns out that some of these other bats in the lineup are producing better than he does um or if uh if there's just there's just a lot of scenarios where they could actually be in the mix uh in contending at middle of the year, but also see a scenario where the roster would make more sense without him, you know, flipping him to address another position or another type of player. It, it seems like they made that they kind of tipped their hand on how they feel about him last year, as soon as Kim Ang arrived. And as much as it'd be cool to, to have him around this organization for a long time, uh, there are other moves that they made, especially this offseason, kind of hint to me that he's not a, exactly a cornerstone player in their eyes and would probably benefit from a change of scenery at some point very, very soon. Yeah, I, I agree with I, that. I was going to ask you, like, because I was wondering, like, if, does this mean that they're not in contention when at the time of this trip? But, you know, either way, you think that they're... Yeah, I think either way, it's a very obvious one if they're out of the race. Right. It's just that you look at this... I was going through the exercise of project, projecting how this roster will play out. And it makes a little more sense at the start of the year where they're going to have extra roster spots, a 28-man group. But mm-hmm. once the yeah. season gets normal again and down to 26, um, there, there are going to be injuries along the way. Really, the only thing that I see 
the main thing that I see disrupting this idea is if he gets injured, of course, and if he's if he's not healthy, there there's not going to be a trade appetite in him. This is just something very specific that um, was already on my mind, and then of course the latest reporting from Craig Mish on a, yeah. what that came out yesterday was about how him in particular was some a name that was included in trade talks with the Blue Jays this offseason. So I, I see this more likely as happening in the middle of the year. Yet he also just at this moment, um, it's his role is changing and not for the better from his perspective. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you mentioned it. They tried to trade the guy. Um, Kim Mang really hasn't shown much, you know, to, to want to extend a guy like Brian Anderson. Uh, you know, you know, Isaac like likes to say, I love the quote from Kim Mang. I won't mention it now, but we know what the quote is that, you know, it just makes sense at, at some point. And if I'm correct, Eli would know more than this than me, but, Joey Wendell has another year of control after 2022, if I'm correct. He has an arbitration year. So yes, makes a little more sense. And that's where I'm going to go with my next prediction with Joey Wendell, which is Joey Wendell will lead the Miami Marlins in hits this season. Brian Anderson is an injury-prone player. I think Joey Wendell is going to get a lot of time at third. And they, they really have played Brian Anderson in the outfield as well. And I told you, I would go bold. And, and I think this is pretty bold to see Wendell leading the Marlins yeah. in hits. So what are your thoughts on that one? And then we'll move on right to Isaac. I, I love that one. Wow. That was my favorite one so far. I think it's it's the perfect, you know, combination of bold and realistic. It's extremely possible that if Wendell is starting 140 games, whether it's at third, short, or second, he can he can rack up some hits. And that, that's possible just because of one, the defensive versatility as well as his ability to hit. And it, you, you would assume, you know, he's going to get most of those starts against right-handed pitching. Maybe even some against lefties. So uh, I love that one, Kevin. Well done. Yeah, I, that's that's a very interesting one. Just because uh, you know, even with the Rays, even when he was an All Star last year, he wasn't exactly an everyday starter. So this would be it. Definitely falls under the bold category. But of course, when he was in the lineup, he was he was really good, and he does a lot of things that even at this stage of his career, he's going to be what thirty two for most of this year. Um, that you think he could age gracefully and continue doing what he has done, if not have his best season yet. That's, that's a really interesting one. Good job. Yeah, and not only that, you Isaac mentioned that the guy could play almost the whole infield. So you would be placing him in different spots and you would get a lot of opportunities to play. And especially, you know, we have so many log jams that make a couple of trades. You know, for example, BA gets traded, Aguilar gets traded. Your infield is a lot more solidified with Wendell. And then you have Rojas ashore, Jazz at second, and then you have um, Lewin at first. So then that would be the the definite infield, and you'd have Birdie, who you could just platoon, you know, when there's an off there for one of these guys. So I think Wendell's definitely going to get a chance. He's an all-star, too. He was an all-star last season, so makes a lot of sense. And uh, Isaac, let's move on. This one will be sort of similar to your Sandy Alcantara one, but I'm going to add one more person to it. I think both Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez – finish top five in Cy Young voting at the end of the year. I you got mine too. I, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I think Sandy will have another, you know, knock on wood, a 200-200 season. Pablo, if he just pitches 160 innings, 160 innings, that is, he's going to be there right there for the, for the Cy Young award. So I think both of them finish in the top five. It looks like great minds think alike. I, I had him finishing top three for my prediction, but – I mean, uh, still pretty bold in general to, to have yeah, Pablo finish with Wheeler, Yeah, sorry, with Wheeler, with Burns, with Woodruff, with DeGrom, with every, Scherzer. There's just too many guys where it would be top three. I think top five is a little bit more real. I was going to say top ten, but this is bold predictions. Let's go top five. Yeah, it's yeah, sufficiently exactly. bold for sure. Uh, when we – the version of bold predictions we did last year was me and Aram. And both of us had very similar ones about Pablo as well. We, we both thought actually Pablo could leapfrog Sandy in the rotation. And he was kind of sort of on the cusp of that before his injury, but that obviously changed things. So, um, yeah, I, that's, that's pretty bold. I'll give you that one for sure. With, with Pablo, ultimately, um, aside from his health, there's still the potential leap that he can make kind of rides on how his breaking ball is coming along because it just has never been a really great pitch for him that curveball and he's thrown it a little bit more as he's gone along than he used to but uh unless it's something that gets him swings and misses at uh at some point uh i think his ceiling is a little bit limited uh, with, with sandy we i love his breaking ball and that's what makes him 
a complete pitcher on top of what he has with his with his changeup and his sinker and all that stuff. And with Pablo, um, uh, as when you face, especially not just multiple times in a game, but when you face opponents several times during the course of the season, uh, I think his he could prove us wrong. He'll have to prove me wrong as a guy that will will have to be more. It'll just have to be a better pitch for him and a pitch that he uses more often if he's going to sustain being like a top of the rotation guy for a whole year. Yeah, not only that, it's I, I would say it's bold because Pablo barely, I mean, pitched, what, half a season, we could say, and then the final game of the season. So he was out for a good amount of time saying, you know, this guy's injury prone. So for Pablo to, you know, finish top five in the Cy Young if it happens, that is a huge, huge leapfrog season. And it's a comeback player of the year type season when, you know, he had a great first half. He had the start in Wrigley. He had the nine strikeout game with Atlanta. He had a lot more starts. It makes a lot of sense to make that prediction. And then now we move on to Mr. Eli Sussman with the next prediction here, which I'm excited to hear. So this is the third one for Eli. Yeah, number three. So uh, my first two were what Jazz to lead the majors in stolen bases and Brian Anderson to get traded before the end of the 2022 season. So going in a much different direction here, I have the Marlins winning their season series against the Braves. And I think that's bold because they have not beaten that's the Braves. Bold. In eight years, the last time they did this was in 2014 when they had more wins and losses against the Braves. It's been a super lopsided rivalry, um, but more so in 2018 and 2019 than it has been the last two years. They've been kind of like trending a little bit in the right direction. Braves, of course, reigning World Series champs. Just a a few little things that are kind of falling in their laps. One of them just being the schedule because they were supposed to open up against the Braves. And now instead they tucked that series at the very end of the year. So even if... Uh, you're of the opinion that the Braves are going to be a lot better than the Marlins overall. Um, that series at the end, in that case, if the Braves already have like a postseason spot clinched up, it matters a lot less to them than it might to the Marlins at that point. Uh, little things like that, but just simply about the Marlins, of course, just being a better team now than they have been in any of the four previous seasons. Just a lot of little things going in their direction. Freddie Freeman, of course, no longer being a Brave. And you could say that their new first baseman, Matt Olson, is actually a better all-around player than Freeman, but he's not a Marlins killer, at least not yet. So I oh, will yeah. – <laughs> yeah. So in, in my mind, that's that's something that I'll – it's hard to be any better in against the Marlins than Freddie Freeman was in recent years. So even if Olsen is just as talented, I, I think that's some a place where all of a sudden the gap between these teams – is a little bit closer. I think the Marlins can, they play 19 times this year. So this is for the Marlins to beat the Braves at least 10 times this season. No, that's a great prediction because over the last two years, I mean, we look at 2021, the Marlins actually won a series against the Braves. That was at the very start of the four game series. If I'm correct, they took three out of the four. In 2020, they put up a good fight against the Braves overall. I mean, the Chad Wallach hit that pretty much helped the Marlins' playoff chances, if we remember that. And then, although they got swept in the playoffs against the Braves, they put up a pretty good fight in Game 1, if I'm correct. I mean, they put up five runs, and then they blew that lead. Miami's been a team that's been able to put up a pretty good fight against the Braves. And then in 2021, again, the Pablo game where he um, hit Acuna by accident, by accident, I'll repeat, and um, they lost 1-0. That was definitely a heartbreaker. But Miami's been able to put a pretty good fight up against the Braves, and I don't know if Isaac has anything to say about that. Yeah, no, I think also that's something that's one of the little things that goes in their favor. I, I don't know if Miami, how much Miami plays them until he returns, but Acuna is obviously going to start the season on the IL. Yeah. So that's another thing that the Braves will have to to navigate through is the, his presence not being there in the lineup. And yeah, like, like Eli said, Braves more than likely will already have a playoff spot secured by that last series. And hopefully Miami will be playing for something and you know the Braves are just going to roll over. So I, that that is bold. I I I don't see that happening, but that'd be if it does happen. Then Miami had a great season. Yeah, for people that want the specifics on the schedule, first series against the Braves is April twenty second to okay. the twenty fourth. Then what what else do we got? Then it's May twentieth to the twenty second. Four more that I'm looking for here. All the others are after the All Star break. It looks yeah, there's like a, there's an outside chance that Acuna could be back for that second series in late May. Yeah. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah. I, I may go on. I'm going in the same lines as Eli here. So the Miami Marlins will have the best record with 
against the division this season. So there's the Mets, there's the Braves. Eli said they would beat the the, the bold predictions beating the Braves. The Phillies bullpen isn't that good at all this year yet. I mean, all they've done is add years familia. The Nationals are rebuilding. Besides Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz, they don't really scare me whatsoever. I mean, Miami really has a chance to beat up on the Nationals. They have a chance to beat up on the Phillies because Nayib Porges Soler, you're going to a hitter-friendly ballpark with Citizens Bank Park. You have a Visayal there, too. Jesus Sanchez, you have, like, nice slugging powers. And Phillies pitching besides, what, Zach Wheeler and a okay Aaron Nola. He had an okay season last year. I could see Miami beating up on those teams. I think the Mets will be a tougher challenge, especially the Mets this season. I mean, Marte, Canna, Scherzer, we- Wheeler's on that. No, Wheeler's on the Phillies. It's it's a very good team. But if Miami could get a couple wins against the Mets this season, because we all know the Mets, they, they're going to do what they usually do best, which is just crash and burn towards the end of the year. We've seen that a lot. And then the Braves, the Miami Marlins, usually – the past couple years have put up a good fight so i believe the marlins will have the best record against the division this season and something we reiterated in 2021 was that they usually play pretty well against the division so that's my third one i'm pretty sure right yeah it's hard to narrow it down to enough characters to put on the screen but you're saying they're going to do better against nl east teams than any of the other nl east teams are going to do in the division so i got it i got it what's I mean, you could go bolder and actually expect them to win the division, but they're separate things. So in saying that, well, in saying that, this is almost half the schedule is their games in the division. It's 76 uh, games. They play 86 against everybody else. So you're kind of implying that they're going to do really well in the division and they're going to, they're going to crash against all the other teams and their other matchups. No, no, no. They're going to do good overall this season, aren't they? I have around a good record prediction, but when it comes yeah, to winning the weird. division, it's a weird one. But I mean, yeah, I'm just, I just want to make sure you understand the math behind this. If you think they're going to have the best record in their division uh, compared to any other NLEs team in their division, then uh, you're expecting the team uh, to have a really good season overall. It's hard to like go one way or the other. Yeah, it's hard it to is, be but... great in the division and not be at least pretty good overall right especially this division. i'm just saying they'll play they'll they'll do better this year in the division that they've done in past years when you really look at it because this this division is probably the hardest one besides what the nl the nl west with the dodgers and the and the giants and the padres the marlins are going to do pretty good in the nl east this season i have a feeling and they usually beat up on this scene on these teams pretty well especially the bottom teams like the the phillies and the nationals which they've done a pretty good job at at easily winning those games except the one where Ross Detweiler started last season and the Nationals absolutely destroyed us. But yeah. I think they'll do get in the division this season. Uh, Isaac, you're up for the fourth one. All right, guys. I don't want my head to be, you know, chewed off. It's, ha. Yuri Perez. Don't worry, mine are pretty bad. Okay. Yuri Perez makes at least one pitching appearance in the big leagues this year. It, whether it's out of Now, there's a different. There's like different scenarios where that may happen, whether Miami's like going for a playoff spot late in the year or they're just out of it. And Yuri had a dominant season in which he made it all the way up to double A. It's not entirely far fetched. It's pretty far fetched, but it's not entirely, you know, out the window that he could possibly, conceivably, potentially, hypothetically make one, one start, I would assume. In September, perhaps, and if Miami does make it into October, that would be someone that they could use. You know, imagine him and Sandy, the twin towers of starting right-handed starting pitching in the Marlins rotation. I, I so, love this. It's very unlikely, but but I love it. I mean, the guy's gonna have a huge jump this year. I think he'll make it to Double A one hundred percent. He's untouchable. They're not gonna move him. So we we know we have a young young pitching prospect, and he probably would be the youngest guy to make his debut. Right? He's what now? He's eighteen. He would be nineteen when he makes his debut. So he's probably the youngest guy to make his debut on, on the Marlins. I, I, if I'm correct, Eli would probably know. but You, you are correct about that. And Cur- currently, the, the, only, the only teenager to uh, play major league games for the Marlins was Edgar Renteria. That was mm-hmm. way back in yeah. his first year, 96 or something. Um, so Yuri would be a few weeks, I think, younger than he was at the time. We know that they absolutely love him. 
um, as you mentioned. Uh, but I think that means about loving him long term, not loving him as an option for them this year. So he finished last year at high A, and he did pretty well. Um, and after absolutely dominating at low A, it's yeah. This is this is really bold. This is about as bold as uh, Alex Carver. I guess your previous one uh, about the NL East records. It's it's hard to, for me to imagine this, no matter how well he pitches. But we'll see. But we'll Remember, see. in a in a 2013 season, a young kid, Jose Fernandez, he had finished his season just like Uri did at High A, and he completely skipped the Double A AA and Triple A level and made the opening day rotation. That was sort right. of out of necessity because Henderson and Nathan Evaldi went down with injuries right before the season started, so they needed to do that. But you know, it, it's like I said, I, it's a possible. If someone goes down, I think Yuri would be one of the obviously aside from Meyer, he'd be one of the guys up. And and not only that. Fernandez did win Rookie of the Year that season, so that's Fernandez something else to keep in year. He was 20 years old. I know Yuri's a little bit younger, but Jose Fernandez did not pitch a single inning at double-A. And uh, if you look at Craig's tweet, one he said untouchable, he put him in the lights of Josh Johnson and Jose Fernandez. He he put him in the same paragraph yeah. as those two guys, which is which says how, much, how highly the Marlins think of a guy like Yuri Perez. So mm-hmm. that was prediction number four from Isaac. Let's go to number four from Eli. This is my boldest one, and it's very timely because we're recording this just an hour or so after some news about him. I have Sixto Sanchez reemerging right around the All-Star break and sticking in the Marlins rotation the entire second half of the season. I think we get a full half season of good Sixto starting roughly kind of on par with what we saw in 2020, where he's like a legit mid-rotation starter, if not even better, even on this Marlins team, and he's going to be a critical piece to uh, whatever they do the rest of the season. I think realistically, there's not much of a path for him to come up to majors anytime before June. He's, he's not throwing at all right now. So he has to do a full throwing progression. And he the news today was actually that he had been formally optioned down to the minors. Yep. That's kind of just a formality because we knew he wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season. He's probably going to go on the IL for a, a long time, but I think when he comes back, um, he's going to come back right. And he's going to come back as, one of the better pitchers in the entire organization, which he was before this injury. It's a, it's a shoulder injury. It's very tricky. There are some cases of guys being totally derailed by this and never coming back. Uh, but for the people um, writing him off entirely uh, in regards to this season, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's reasonable. Just as this might be a little unreasonable on the positive side with him as a starter, with him truly sticking uh, for an extended period of time. That's what I'm going with because I am. I just can't speak highly enough about the kind of talent that he has, um, specifically as a starter. Even if you're concerned about his durability, he is he is a starter. He's not a reliever. He he is going to be a good starter whenever he's healthy again. So I'm just betting on him being healthy again for the second half of the season. So being full half season of him in the Marlins rotation, second half, of course. Let's hope Craig Mish doesn't doesn't hear that one. I'm sure he'd be, uh, <laughs> be disagreeing with you there. But no, I, I like, I think you're right. I agree with you 100% on the starter thing. He's definitely, he's got the capabilities, he's got the command, he's got everything that a young starter needs. I'm not never been too worried about the durability, it's just the health. So if he does come back, boy, and if he sticks in that rotation for the whole second half, that would be, that would be mighty awesome. That shows a lot. And that shows how how well his development this time went around, or his recovery that went. If and especially if he puts up nice numbers too, like he did in 2020 when he first started, because he was pretty. He showed a lot of nice flashes in 2020, especially in that playoff game. I mean, he was pretty good. Besides, you know, just one, a couple mishaps there. But uh, moving on to my prediction, I think I'm gonna go minor leagues as well. I think in a way we all did. I say Max Meyer gets the call up at some point in the season. And makes ten starts for the Miami Marlins. It's a little bit, it's it's a That's little bit on the safer side, man. It's not bold, but it's it's a it's a it's one that I think I could happen. The ten this starts. The ten starts. He should ten starts. That's depending how Eddie how Eddie Cabrera, Luzardo, and Eliezer are, because one of them I think will left get will will be left out. If I'm correct, yeah, because you have Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, Eliezer. And Luzardo. One of them is going to get injured, and Max Meyer is going to come up, or Eddie Cabrera. So it makes sense for Max Meyer to make, make those 10 starts, and I think he's going to do pretty damn good because 
from what Craig Mish said on the podcast, the guy's ready to go. I mean, he wants to be in the major leagues and he wants to get on that mound, pitch seven innings, get 12-plus strikeouts is what Craig said. I'm not going to quote him exactly, but that was around the lines of what he said. I'm really excited about this guy. And he pitched another perfect spring training game two days ago. Hopefully I get to see him soon on Saturday when you guys are listening to this on on audio. I don't know if this is coming out early on YouTube, but Max Meyer's going to make 10 starts and he's going to be really damn good. So any comments and then we'll move on to Isaac for his fifth and final prediction. I think that that's bold. It's on the lower end of bold, but it is bold. That's certainly the over on what people would expect um, right now. It's, extremely likely that he's going to pitch in the majors this year. And it's probably better than 50-50 that he's going to start at some point. Um, yep. in, in terms of reaching 10-plus, um, that speaks to the number of innings that he will has the green light to pitch over the course of the season. We don't know exactly what his innings limit is. There is probably some number in their mind that the Marlins don't want him to go past this year. And this also is just kind of in line with 6-0, where if you're going to reach that number, it probably means that you uh, – you're there for an extended period of time. You're one of the top five guys on the team for a period of time. So either that accounts for several injuries going on or him just being awesome um, from the very beginning. It's, it's an interesting one. Uh, there is, um, I like it. I think it's fine. I think it's fine, Kevin. <laughs> All right, Isaac, if you have any comments and then uh, we'll uh, keep going. No, no comments. Like Eli just, you know, you described it perfectly. My last uh, prediction it's not going to be that bold like it is probably highly unlikely miguel rojas wins the gold glove for short stops i think oh. he's gonna, that's uh he's never that's won one he's, he's been a finalist one time i believe i think that was in 2020 the short season i think he's got the chance just of how much he's going to play i don't know if that will translate to much team success if he plays every single day at short but i think he'll play enough games he'll be the starting shortstop for you know majority of the season and if miami has any you know resemblance of a relevant season I think that he'll be a finalist and he could possibly win the gold glove for short for nationally short stops. That's a good one because he, I, I think he could do it, but there's some damn good short stops this year in the NL. Um, there's Trey Turner, if I'm, if I'm correct, he's, if he's playing shortstop. Um, he's not you that, have the Padres, don't really the short that much, Trey Turner. Uh, I don't love his shortstop. Right. So, well, I, mean, I like one, the prediction. One can, no, well, two contenders that are no longer in his way Javier Baez going to Detroit mm-hmm. and Trevor Story going to the yep. Red Sox. Trevor Story is a very good defensive shortstop as well with the Rockies. Um, yeah, who else is even in his? I, I that's that might be even less bold than than uh, um, Brandon Crawford was Brandon Crawford, right? Can we consider um Tatis if, no. he, if when he comes back? He's gonna miss too much time, he's gonna miss too much time, even if he does great. He's He's, he Lind- has a shoulder. Is Lindor issue. the shortstop or is he the second base? Lindor is the short. Yeah, Lind- yeah I Lindor would say is Lindor is is probably his biggest competition with Crawford right behind. Crawford's even older than Miggy Rowe is. But this is I like. Okay, yeah, I like it. So I think it's in a good spot because he's been close before. He's also at a point of his career where shortstops usually don't get better deep into their thirties. But he has that work ethic and he's going to have that opportunity. I think. Um, We'll see how deep we get into the year if maybe there's some decisions made about like platooning him with mm-hmm. Joey Wendell or something. I wouldn't rule that out, but I think I think this is still in a good spot where he's going to play enough to certainly qualify. And we know who his he pretty much is on a very similar level to the other guys in the NL. All right, Eli, your last prediction. Okay, so I think this is raining back the boldness from my previous one. I have uh, Avisael Garcia being the most valuable player on the team, going by like wins That's above replacement. One. I think he's going to lead the team in war this year, uh, which would basically mean him being kind of a similar guy to what he was in his career year. I have to pull up exactly what year that was, where he hit like 350 for the White Sox. I don't, I, I wouldn't necessarily put him on with that expectation of like raking this year. Um, yeah, so his All Star year was 2017 with the White Sox. When he had that 885 OPS, um, and that wasn't he wasn't even playing every day, but he was he put up what four and a half wins above replacement that year. So if he puts up that same number and everything is the same with the Marlins as it was last year, then that'd be good enough to like make this right. Uh, what this is kind of saying is, as much as we like love Sandy and love Trevor, uh, and those guys are capable, and probably Sandy is even more likely to get this honor than Avisale is that. 
no matter how confident we feel about a guy's durability at any given time, pitching is really difficult to predict. Like, I, I don't think it's a lock that Sandy makes 33 starts again. It's just really hard to do. And sometimes um, pitchers are handled more carefully than ever before. So, and just looking up and down the lineup as well, you know, it's a lot of good players. Um, I don't know if any of them realistically have like the all, all around ceiling that Avi has, except for maybe Jazz, if he like puts it all together. So like Jazz, Sandy are probably the biggest contenders here over obviously El Garcia. Um, but I think he's, this is a one of the least popular moves of the whole offseason, yeah. I'd say. Uh, I mean, it was their biggest free agent investment for a guy that was good last year, but like I said, you know, several years removed from actually being an all-star. Um, this is, but this also accounts for the fact that he won't have to play center field because that's not going to serve him well. It's not going to serve the team well. It seems like at this point in spring training that Jesus Sanchez is going to get a lot of those reps. And I'm also of the mind that they could still make a trade for center field during the year. So they put Avi in right now, right field, it seems to be the plan. And that's a position yeah. he played really well last year. So you put all together, I think he's going to be a good defender if they keep him in right and that he can be um, even a better hitter than he was last year. Like he's a unique guy. Um, he has some bad habits as a hitter, but I think more often than not, his talent outweighs that. So as long as he's durable, I think this is within reach for him. I, I think one of the guys that would you know compete with that title would be Brian Anderson if he plays every day because Brian Anderson just accumulates so much you know war the statistic and he always you know last year in his really bad you know not, just not good season he didn't play a lot he accumulated 1.3 war wins above replacement so I think he would be the guy because. Yeah, I think he would be the guy that would compete with Avi for a team of MVP. And like I said, Pablo also and Sandy, the pitches that you mentioned. But I think, yeah, the safe bet would be either B.A. if he plays every day or Avisa Garcia. So I like the I like the bold prediction. I like it. And I'm very scared to give my last one. I, I have so many of them I could give, you know. I'll give the honorable mention to Avisael. I said he would hit 35 bombs, 15 in Miami. Uh, I, I think I've said that one before, but... I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to get my head chopped off on Twitter for sure for this one because it's never going to happen in a million years. And I'm going to put Jorge Soler is going to be a gold glove candidate. Kill me right now. Say whatever you want. Jorge Soler will be a gold glove finalist for the Marlins this season. That's not bold. That that just doesn't even make sense. (laughs) How? Because he's not going to play a lot of outfield and he's the horrible. Exactly. All right. Okay. That's bold. It's bold as heck. Yeah. Yeah, that well, is really so the, cool. So the plan right now, this is based on um, who was it that reported um, on MLB.com that it, with so Avi and right, it seems like Solaire is going to play left, exactly. which is you know yeah. it's an easier position. It's also one that he hasn't played in a bunch of years too. Like he's been exclusively he's right fielder. Sixty for career a long time. games in left field. Sixty career yeah. games in left field. Yeah. I find that extremely bold that he will be an NL Gold Glove finalist. Yeah, it's it's bold. It's it's probably the boldest that we had so far. This might be bolder exactly. than Yuri uh, pitching in the big leagues because, <laughs> like, I don't think he has this like, it's, like it's not him. Like he would have to uh, just he doesn't have the ability to be like a Gold Glove caliber exactly. fielder. I don't think unless you know something or unless you're just putting your trust in him because of Cuban pride. I'm just putting all my trust in him. I'm putting all my trust in him at the moment. And I, I was watching Danny Alvarez's um, Extra Vasa video, and he said he's been practicing playing in all the outfield spots. So I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh, it's not going to happen, but I'm, I'm pulling for this guy to hopefully have a good defensive season and prove many wrong because it would be, I think this be is huge. definitely the boldest prediction. Yes, yeah, so yeah, we're talking I mean, about the composition of this team and the Marlins achieving their goals. It would help a lot with the center field situation if you had a good defensive left fielder exactly again the plan does seem to be (laughs) of course for him to dh quite a bit this year regardless so even if he plays great when he is in left field i'm not a hundred percent sure he'll even be eligible for the gold (laughs) glove interesting we'll see interesting we'll see well hey if that the only other prediction the only other prediction i get to share you know, yeah, uh, quick. If he did, you know, win that award, he would be competing with Avi for a uh, for a wins above replacement title on the team. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. The only other prediction I think it's fair enough to share here is another trade one, and it's that I think before opening day, Aguilar will be dealt either to Cleveland 
or to the Seattle Mariners. I don't know why I like the fit of the Mariners for Aguilar. That's another good one. I think at this point we yeah. could just shout out bold predictions here because why not? But I think that's another good one. I mean, that's going to solve so many log gems if you trade one of the first basemen. Aggie's on the expiring contract. I love Aggie, man. I mean, he he's the heart and soul of the team. He's a great captain. Everyone loves him in the locker room. He's great to the media. But if you trade Aggie, you could finally put Lewin at first consistently. Cooper will be your DH. And then you will have a definite outfield, which is why you could put Jorge in left field. You could put Jesus Sanchez in center. And then you have Avisail in right field. So, And then when you look at the fit for Aguilar, Seattle, he, he could get some DH time, some first base time. And then when you, if you throw him in the Cleveland, same, same situation. He's going to be probably one of their better hitters in, on that team for a Cleveland team that's kind of trying to rebuild, but at the same time, they're trying to stay decently competitive. They still have Shane Bieber. They still have a pretty good rotation. So some things to get in there. I, it's a tough sell at this stage of the offseason. Like I was someone that thought it was pretty obvious that they should trade Aggie before the lockout. But based on the other moves they made and the direction that they're heading in, you know, it's hard to justify trading a really good hitter if you're trying to contend, even if it's a weird fit um, based on what they're building at the moment, which it definitely is, to take any sort of step back without getting another major league player in return at a position that makes more sense. I, I, I'd i be really surprised. That is bold for sure. Yeah, if, if any of you guys have any other bold predictions, shoot them out because now's the time. These will still recorded, and then we can talk about these later. Yeah, the last one that I'll mention, it sort of contradicts one of my earlier um, bold predictions. In July, on July 29th, the Marlins will That's trade for Craig Kimbrell. I like I, that I one. Think They're going to be in I it. Like they're going to be in it just enough. They're going to be third in the division at that point. There's that extended playoffs. So you're going to say, you know what, we need a legitimate back-end bullpen guy to be the closer at least, and they're going to trade for Craig Kimbrell. Especially, especially if the closing – it's not working out as we expected. You know, it's more of a closer by committee. You could get that definite closer with Kimbrell and you immediately have him already. You could put Bender as the setup guy or even the seventh inning guy. You have Flora as your eighth, and then you can maybe have some short and long relievers with Okert and Lewis Head. Yeah, I was my my backup one, I guess, was about Jesus Sanchez and him being an all-star selection this year. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, as an overall player, I don't like him as much as right now as Avi Garcia or some of the others. Um, I've been pretty critical of his defense as well, even when it was before that was putting him in center field. But when he gets hot at the plate, we saw it in AAA last year when everybody was going crazy. But And we saw it in the majors last year. It was like, from a lot of August and into September. Like when he gets hot, he's one of the hottest hitters in the league. If he does that, just happens to be at the start of the year, um, then that really tilts the scales in his favor in terms of actually getting all-star recognition. It, it also just like goes back to my, my idea that um, I really love the depth of this team right now at the major league level, but in terms of the individual star power, especially on the hitting side, like um, he could be a guy that actually like separates himself from the pack. Um, because of the batted ball skills that he has. It's both the power and just a whole lot of other hitting intangibles that he made some really good growth on since he's been in the Marlins organization. So I like him having a pretty big year, even though I am kind of harsh on him. I wanted to see him make some other adjustments as an all-around player, but he is um, he's, he's a fun guy, and the Marlins are pretty lucky to have him. One of my bold predictions you know, was going to be that Jesus hits 40 home runs. That's a good I, I think he's got it in him. I, like you said, I, I just wrote the season preview on him. He he's can, he can do it. He's like, he's got that type of raw power where he can hit it to all fields and he can catch up to velocity and he can wait back and hit some off speed. I, I think he has the capabilities of having a huge season. And if not this year, he's, he has a bright future. And if I'm correct, I think he's almost everyone's breakout candidate, at least from our side. You know, Jesus is going to break out this year. He's going to have a really good season. But now that you start thinking of it, Another good, bold prediction would be the Marlins are going to have more than two All-Stars this season because these past couple of years, it's been – they've had to choose an All-Star. You know, the Marlins have never gotten one through votes. They've had – because they've gotten one through the MLB because you need to have a team representing – a player representing your team. Yeah. Man, if it could be maybe – you mentioned it. Let's say Jesus, Sandy, and Avisail Garcia has just an incredible first half. That could be an option. 
Jazz Chisholm all of a sudden just explodes. Yeah. Going back to Jazz, I don't think people even in Miami realize how much star power Jazz has nationally. By the time, if he gets off to a similar start this year as he had last year, he's going to rise up really quickly in terms of the most popular players in baseball. He has oh, yeah. that type of um, that enthusiasm and, and the swag that he has. It really is not just national, but like international. He's somebody that would, even if the performance doesn't totally deserve it, he's going to get a whole lot of all-star votes from fans, even outside of the Marlins organization. This is one thing, you know, covering the Marlins, how frustrating it is, even in years where they've had deserving all-stars. Rio Muto was a great example in 2018, where he didn't get voted as the starter in the National League in a year where he's seen pretty clearly that he was the best catcher in the league. And it's been a frustration for a while because they've had so few of these guys, especially on the hitting side, that commands any sort of interest outside of Miami and jazz is the exception to that. So I would not be surprised if he gets actually voted in as a starter at second base this year. Yeah. Um, uh, are you guys to maybe give out a record prediction or, or is that another one for, for another day? No, that's going to, we'll, we'll say that probably for, um, we'll probably save oh. it for a live stream, probably the one right before opening day okay. so that we get uh, more perspectives on that and to cheat a little bit more and just see how the rest of spring plays out. We covered a lot of grounds on this one already. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I think where we will end it. Eli always, thank you for being here on the screen this time, uh, present because you're usually in the ones and twos, Isaac, Thank you for, for doing this as always, bro. You know, you've always been consistent with the time, whatever time it is, because I know I'm I have a complicated schedule. We all do, I mean, in a way. So um this is coming out Saturday on audio. I don't know if on YouTube Eli, it's gonna come out early. Well, we'll actually we we'll push that. it all up to um we'll push it all up to Friday instead of Saturday. Okay. Just because we're this far so ahead if you're of listening time to and... this Friday, all of us are gonna be Roger Dean March twenty sixth. If you guys wanna go, I suggest you all to go. Eli's gonna be there, Isaac's gonna be there, I'll be there. Got kind of like that March the the Twitter the Twitter Marlins Twitter picture that Isaac did I think it was last week we could recreate that and meet you guys so we'll be there the 26th Isaac and Eli will be there the 27th with Noah so just for a reference and as always we'll see you guys all in the next one as always subscribe follow us on any podcast wherever you're listening to five star ratings yeah peace out and go fish we gotta end it off right. <laughs>